Welcome to the Beach Church Weekly Message Podcast. This week, we are finishing up our Sowing and Reaping series, looking at what does it mean to protect our hearts. There is a very real enemy and trials are going to come. We can use God's word to protect our hearts in the midst of that. Hey, if you or someone you know has questions about faith and you're looking for a safe place to be able to talk about those questions, we want to encourage you to sign up for Alpha. Alpha is going to start on October the 11th and specifically looks at things like who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, why should we read the Bible. So make sure that you go to todayatbeach.com, get signed up for Alpha, bring a friend who might have some questions, get them signed up for Alpha as well. And now let's jump into this week's message. There we go. All right. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Beach. We are so glad that you guys are here. Uh, my name's Kara. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're fasting, we're on day seven of our 10-day fast. Woo! Yeah, guys, you guys are excited about that. Some of you may be hungry. I brought some presents for you guys today. Uh, if you haven't been journeying with us, this is going to make no sense to you. I'll catch you up in just a minute. Uh, but we've been talking about the banana trees in my yard, and so... Uh, I brought in some future banana trees. If you're fasting and you're hungry, plant one of these, and in about one year, you'll get some bananas, okay? Uh, So I did actually bring these in for you guys. I brought five for this service and five for the next service. You guys didn't believe me that I had this many banana trees, but I literally dug them up yesterday and said, you know what would be a great connection point for people is if five people got to from each service got to take a banana tree home and plant it. So you guys get to do that. First come, first serve. Let's not have like a mass stampede here. Uh, if we need more, I'll bring in more. They will produce them in literally three weeks from now, uh, and we'll have more bananas. But uh, all in all, hey, We're glad you're here. We are in the middle of a series called Sowing and Reaping. We are looking at what does it mean to be generous in our relationship with God and growing in that relationship with Him. And so one of the things we've talked about throughout the series is simply this foundational principle in the world of sowing and reaping. It exists whether you believe in God, whether you believe in Jesus, whether you like Jesus or not. The principle of sowing and reaping exists, and it comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says this, remember this, he's saying this is not a new principle. You probably know this, and you've experienced this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And so we are looking in this entire series, this last week, what does it mean for us to sow generously into our relationship with God? Some of us are fasting during this time and leading up to Wednesday because it is a way that we sow generously into our relationship with God. And so I want to encourage you, if you're on day seven of the fast and you're excited about it, keep leaning into it. If it's like your first day here and you're like, I've never known about this thing, jump in. You can jump in from day seven to go to day 10 and still experience more of God in your life through the fast. And so there's some fasting guides still around. You can go to beachfast.com and you can find out all about what does it mean to fast. But we do it because we recognize when we fast, we are sowing generously into our relationship with 
God. And here's what we believe God does when we do that. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he produces fruit in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And I think we would all agree, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you believe about Jesus, you'd like more of these in your life. And the people who are around you and closest to you, you'd like more of this in their life too. You probably want more of it in their life than you do in your own life. But that's a different combo that we'll have another day. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, says. Uh, and this is key anchor point for us, what we're hoping to get to through the end of this series and in our lives. He says, in simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word with God's word, making a salvation garden of your life. You see, there's something beautiful that happens when we sow generously into our relationship with God and we allow him to produce that fruit in our life. It becomes glorifying to God. And people get to see that garden on display and they get to take from that garden as well and be nourished from it. And so that is our goal. That's what we're going after. We recognize we have some work to do. God's going to do the growth, uh, but we have some work. And so uh, we talked about getting the heart ready. We talked about specifically there's some work that we got to do to get our hearts ready to receive what God has for us. Then we talked about we have to do the planting. We talked about that last week. Uh, you got to put God's word in there. You got to be willing to say, God, I want more of you, just like, just like Moses on that mountain, he said, God, I want more of you. We abide in Jesus through his word. And today we're going to talk about protecting the heart, protecting the heart. Uh, here's what we said specifically uh, about getting the heart ready. Uh, Paul told us in Galatians chapter 5, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They've taken the acts of the flesh out. They've been very intentional. We've said, hey, the, the world's definition of life is no more in me. I'm letting Christ take that out and it be crucified so that since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's why we do that, so we can keep in step with the Holy Spirit and how He would be growing in our lives. And then last week, John 15, 4, abide in me as I also abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You can't grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit by yourself. It is by nature the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of carry or the fruit of fill in your name. So, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so we went through uh, the process over this past week, and I hope you were doing this. I hope you found a verse that you said, hey, I'm just going to hide it in my heart. And David told us, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I hope that maybe you came in here today and you would say, gosh, I had one more victory than I did last week. Because in the moment... In the moment where sin came, I had God's word in my heart. And so that is what we've undertaken over the past week, is to let the word of Christ dwell among us richly 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And that's a big part of what this Wednesday will be as we come to worship night together. It's going to be our opportunity to worship. It's going to be our opportunity to sing those praises to God and declare what we truly believe He is doing in our hearts and in our lives. And so, our task today, final part, protect the heart, protect the heart. So, uh, I was having a great conversation with one of our staff members uh, a couple of weeks before the series even started, and we were talking about this series and this principle of sowing and reaping, and one of the things that we came to this realization of was when your garden has fruit, what happens in that garden? You go and try and pick it. Uh, but I had an issue a couple of years ago. I told you guys about my little container garden. I had an issue. I couldn't harvest anything out of it because I had these little things. They were called aphids in the garden. And so they kept eating all of the uh, leaves off of all of the plants. You see, I was not doing a very good job protecting the garden. The deal is when you and I have fruit in our lives, people will come for the fruit. More specifically, we have an enemy who will come for the fruit. Here's what Jesus says in John 10.10. He says the thief, meaning there is a thief, he's meaning we have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. When you and I begin having fruit, produced in our lives, that's where locusts come. You realize that, right? Locusts do not come to a barren field. They come to a field full of fruit. They come to a field full of harvest. And so when you begin experiencing that harvest of the Holy Spirit in your life, the enemy will come for it. And Jesus is very clear and specific. He comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers in his encouragement, his letter to the Christians, he says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. To devour. He says, resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And so we go through these seasons where we will have an enemy come at us or where we will have trials and tribulation. Anyone ever have some heartache, some difficult things in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. I know that's a yes to every single person in this room. We are human beings after all, right? All of us experience that. And whether it is from spiritual enemy or attack or just trial and tribulation, James, uh, Jesus' brother, says this, earlier in the passage we read, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He's not saying if, he says when. He's guaranteeing this is going to happen. And he says, consider it pure joy. Now, 
here's what I know. I did day uh, four or day three of our fast, and we talked about joy on day three of our fast. And yet, still knowing that, knowing that joy is a fruit of the Spirit, anytime I have trials, I never consider it pure joy. Anyone else? Anyone? Like, you're like, oh, yes, good, I got a good trial coming up. Yay! No one does that. But James says to. He says, there is actually, there is actually a fruit produced in your life called joy that no matter what circumstance and situation, you can consider it pure joy. And here's why he says that. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, James, James wants mature Christians, not infant Christians, not baby Christians, those are good because they're along the path and along the way. But the ultimate goal for us should be maturity. It should be the ability to have trials and tribulations and still consider it pure joy. It should be the ability to face temptation, acts of the flesh coming up and say, I do not have to give in to the flesh. James says we can mature and be complete, not lacking anything. And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to really look at how do we do this? How do we stand firm and persevere in those moments? Because I'm there just like you guys are, where, where sin is knocking out the door, and it's like, no, 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 that's just way easier. And yet, we know that when we give in to sin, it produces a harvest in our lives that the fruit of that harvest is way less than what we get in the fruit of the harvest of the Holy Spirit. And so, how do we stand firm and persevere? I think the best person to talk to us about this is Jesus. Uh, Jesus actually was tempted by Satan. Uh, if you don't know this story, uh, it is in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Uh, you can find parallel versions of this. And so I, I think one of the best things we can do is just simply look at Jesus and follow what Jesus does and understand what Jesus understands about his enemy and about temptation. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This right after he is baptized. So he's had this amazing moment, like just, yes, so excited moment. And he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yes, I mean, we're seven days and I'm hungry, guys. Like, I need some sugar. You guys don't understand. Uh, Forty days, he was hungry. Biggest understatement in the Bible. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here within this first temptation, there are going to be three, we see the key that Jesus gives you and I. And it is simple. We're, we're not like doing particle physics here. It is simple. Jesus uses no words of his own. 
it is written. What does that mean? That means Jesus is quoting Scripture. Jesus is actually quoting a passage from Deuteronomy, where Moses is speaking to the people and telling them, hey, uh, we don't live on bread alone. You guys are tired of this manna stuff. And then they had manna, and like, we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember last week we talked about Moses got face to face with God where his mouth would be to speak to him? Jesus knowing that even though he is God, he is right now in the flesh. That's, think about that. Jesus choosing to come down out of eternity into our world means he chose to be bound by flesh, and he chose to be in a place where he could be tempted to sin. Jesus knows I'm weak right now. And so in the moment of weakness, if I choose to try and respond to Satan in my flesh, I will lose. And so he chooses, instead he goes to God's word. And he identifies, no, 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 this is what God actually says. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now you notice what what Satan does here. He takes what Jesus did and he tries to twist it and turn it. He says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay, so now we have two temptations and we have two answers from Jesus. It is also written, meaning he's quoting Deuteronomy again. He's quoting God's word. Has Jesus used any of his own words at this point? No. He knows I am in the flesh and in the flesh I'm weak. Where is the power? The power is in the word of God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All three temptations, all three times, Jesus chooses not to use his own words, but he chooses to go back to the word of God. He's done what David talked about in Psalm 119. He's hidden God's word in his heart so that in the moment that he needs God's word, uh, and back in those days, he doesn't have to go to uh, the temple and then pull out the scroll and then find it. Uh, For us, we can just Google really quick when we need it, which is really convenient uh, when you need the word of God and you don't know exactly what it is that you need today. But Jesus has hidden that word in his heart so that there's no barrier. He has simple access to it. Pastor Jerry uh, preached on Ephesians chapter 6 a couple of weeks ago. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about, Paul talks about, put on the full armor of God, and in it he identifies the sword of the Spirit. It is the only tool in the armor of God that is on the offensive. 
And he says what it is. He says, it is the word of God. You see, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. If I try and fight this battle in the flesh, I will lose. He knows what kind of battle he's actually fighting. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I, I think this sums up for many of us, maybe where, where when it comes to protecting the fruit in our lives, maybe we get a little astray or we, we come amiss. Paul says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You see, you and I as followers of Christ, we are not of the world anymore. We are of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And because of that, we recognize that there is a spiritual reality to the world that we live in. Now, I know there is a divide amongst people that say, uh-huh, that Satan thing, uh, spirits, uh, all of that. But let me just, before we get there, let's just pause. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you say, yes, I've placed my trust in Jesus as my Savior, you have already taken a step into that world because you believe that God became a man. And you believe that he died and rose from the grave again. You're already firmly planted there. There is a spiritual reality around us that is not of this world and it is not the flesh. And what Paul tells us is that if you try to wage war against the spiritual world in the flesh, you will lose every time. But by operating in the Spirit, we have the divine power to demolish those strongholds in our lives. Those strongholds that are the acts of the flesh, that sin that seems to pop up time and time and time again. You know the one, the one where you said, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, and then lo and behold, what did you do? That's sin, that very thing. These acts of the flesh. Here we go, uncomfortable list again. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Paul tells us the fruit of these is not what you think it is. These are all seeds that we plant that have a fruit as a result of them. Now, you may have recognized this and you may have said, you know what, I got some selfish ambition going on. I'm going to try to not be selfish. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard. And Satan says, yes, you keep working hard at it. Because in that moment, he has you. Because he knows it is a battle of the spirit, not of the flesh. And the more you try and work harder to not to it, the more he has you. You see, when we recognize as Jesus did, that this is a battle of the spirit, that my flesh, my flesh is weak. 
that's when we begin to gain the power to protect the fruit and the harvest that God is growing within our lives. Because when we recognize that, we no longer start battling within the flesh. I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. We begin battling in the Spirit, saying, I need God. I need His Word in my life. I, I, I need the presence of the Spirit walking with me day by day by day. Because there is a harvest. There is a harvest that God's producing that is important, that's vital. It's essential for the people around me and for my life. And I can't just allow an enemy to come and to continually try and steal that from my life. And so, Maybe one of these you identify with and you would say, yes, I'm experiencing the fruit uh, of that in my life and that's not good fruit. And it just keeps popping up again and again and again. You have a God that loves you enough to say, you don't got to fight this alone. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He's right after that. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In the moment of temptation, in the moment of trial, when you and I take and we invoke the word of God in that moment, we are literally taking captive that thought and we are submitting it to Christ. John, the apostle, says in his gospel at the very beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. When we take Jesus' words and we say, no, 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 this is what my heavenly Father says. It's what he says about me. It's what he says is possible. When we do that, we are now fighting in the Spirit. And over time, fighting in the Spirit is the opportunity that you and I have to protect that deposit that's been put into our hearts. And so, our work, it's protection. In fact, uh, our work is not quite different than last week. But we have to first come to this understanding, you can't fight a spiritual battle in the flesh and expect to win. Perhaps you've experienced this. Yeah, I see the head nods today. You've experienced this. Trying to fight that spiritual battle in the flesh and watching the enemy come and wreak havoc. The good news of the gospel, you don't have to live there. You don't. You have God's word given to you ready to protect and defend, ready to proclaim who you are in Christ. You are a new creation. When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in and said, I'm taking up residence and you can't kick me out. You can choose to ignore me, but I'm here any moment that you are ready, any moment you are waiting, I'm here ready for you. 
And so you and I have to ju- just accept this. We can't fight a spiritual battle in the flesh and expect to win. Instead, we fight the spiritual battle in the spirit by taking God's word and planting it into our hearts. And when we continue to do that over and over and over again, this is what, this is what Paul said. You get the fruit of the spirit. You get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things begin getting produced. And in that moment where you are tempted towards having no patience with your kids for taking their shoes off in the car for the 10th time when you've told them, no, we're just getting in the car for like two minutes, and then your two-year-old still takes their shoes off. And you're able to have that patience to, to recognize, wait, 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 the enemy would love for this to be a moment to steal patience from me, to steal joy from me, but, but I can choose differently. I can choose differently right now because I have the Word of God in me and I recognize what is actually happening. What did James say you can consider it? pure joy. Man, that just seems so hard to say, right? That is not so hard to say through the Spirit. James says we can consider it pure joy when that trial again and again and again and again, pure joy, because we've taken God's Word and we've hid it into our hearts. Remember way back at the beginning of this series, this is uh, what we set out to do. We said this, this is what James said. He said, post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility. Let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life, making this beautiful garden of which others get to feed from again and again and again. You see, following Jesus is the continual process of pulling, crucify the flesh again and again and again. Planting, getting God's word in there again and again and again, and protecting, using God's word to stand firm, to persevere, to that trial that you think, man, I'm in year 10 of this trial, Carrie. You, you just don't understand what I'm going through. And you know what? You're right. I don't understand what you're going through. But your God does. Your God does. And he says, I will stand right there with you as you take and you employ my word which has been hidden in your heart. And so it is following, following Jesus is the continual process of pulling, planting, and protecting with the help of our gardener, God. So here's what I want to do as we close out today. Simple message. Difficult application. Maybe you've been journeying through this series and, and you've You've got one of these three that you know, man, I need to be spending some serious time investing into my relationship with God. 
serious. I need to make that generous sowing into a season of pulling. There's some acts of the flesh going on in the heart there, and you may be planting new seed, and you're like, I planted new seed, but it still died. And it's because you got those things that got to be pulled out. Maybe, maybe you need that, and you need some time, and we're going to open up space today for, for that for you. Maybe it's planting. You need some of God's Word in your heart. And, and this past week, you downloaded version app, and that's great, and you got the Bible, and, and so you're going to just keep going at it again and again and again. Or maybe it's protecting. And, and if you're here and, and you need prayer, you need that, that sense of, hey, I got an enemy attacking me, and I've been trying to battle this in the flesh, and today I want for the first time to battle it with the Spirit. And you might even say, I don't have the Word of God to be able to do this. That's why we have a prayer team here every Sunday, willing and ready to pray with you the Word of God in your life, over your life, and to whatever it is your enemy would come at. And so I want to do this. I, I want to take the last couple of minutes that we have here and just spend it in prayer. Spend it in prayer that, that you and I would have an opportunity to get very real and honest with God. Where are you? Where are you in your season of sowing and reaping? What kind of things have you been sowing generously in with your relationship with your Heavenly Father? What kind of things have you been sowing in generously that really are acts of the flesh and it's time to sow sparingly in those areas? And so we're going to spend just a couple of minutes here, just in this time, for you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to come to the altars and pray. Maybe you need to go to uh, one of the prayer gardens and, and just see our prayer team and just have them pray for you. Here's what I want to encourage you. The enemy would love for nothing more than for you to feel like I need to go be prayed for and not move and go do that because you're afraid of what people in the room are going to think. Amen? And so if the Holy Spirit's pressing you, I need prayer today Go to those prayer gardens as we pray. Go to a friend. Maybe you've got a friend in the room and you know, hey, I need prayer from you. Or maybe you've got a friend in the room and you know, I need prayer for you. Maybe you're online and you say, hey, I, I just need someone to hear me and we're going to pray. And here's what I believe, that as you and I are willing to be submitted, be surrendered today and take a time just to talk to God. You know, when we come to church, it's not all about just being talked to. It is an opportunity for us to meet with God and have that time. So let's do this. Let's spend some time just in prayer with the Holy Spirit here. Holy Spirit, we come to you. Whether we're in a season of pulling, planting, or protecting, would you hear our heart? Would you hear our prayers in this moment right now? And I pray courage for us as a body, as a people. Courage that we would truly be willing in this moment to be vulnerable with you, Spirit.
pray for boldness in our hearts. As we come forward to you with this honesty, with this transparency, with, with that recognition of how much we need you and how much we need to walk by the Spirit. I encourage you here in the room, I encourage you online, share with him what's happening in your heart, where you need him. Those battles that you've been fighting in the flesh, that as Jesus gives us such a great example, it is your word, God, it is your word that will stand. you need prayer today, I, I pray that, that you would ask somebody in this moment, right now, whether it's a neighbor next to you or someone at the prayer team, God, we're here right now abiding with you. Just as Moses did, face to face. God, we're desperate for you. We want more of you. places and times in our lives where we've chosen our own way. We've chosen acts of the flesh, believing the lie that there's going to be a fruit and a harvest from them. So we confess those to you, Lord, and we repent, we turn away towards Jesus. how good your word is, how important it is, how David tells us he has hidden your word in his heart that he would not sin against you, how Paul encourages us to let that word dwell richly among us in teaching and admonishment, in our songs that we sing and our praises that we bring to you. And I pray that we would be a people that praise hard and praise loud. And today, Lord, we see Jesus' example and we embrace that it is a fight in the spirit, not of the flesh. Part of what is so great about you, our Heavenly Father, is that you sent Jesus to be with us, and he has sent the Spirit to stay with us. By the sword of the Spirit, we can fight every trial, every temptation. We can consider them pure joy, even in the moments 
that we feel like we can't hold up. So I just pray, I pray for that person who is here today, they feel like they are in the midst of trial that they cannot hold up to. I pray that you would see that you have a heavenly father ready, willing and waiting to hold your arms up. That no matter what trial or temptation you are going through, no matter what you came into this room with today, there is a God who loves you. And he sees you and he knows you by name. He knows you are here in this room this morning. And it's his great love and compassion to surround you with, with a body of people, with a family that is this church to say no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're going through, we know a God who loves you. And so for all of us today, Lord, man, I pray for much fruit. Pray that we would be a people who'd be willing to do this hard work of pulling, planting, and protecting because it is so worth it when we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit produced in us and those around us. It is so worth it when we see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so I pray for those fruits in abundance. I pray for protection on our hearts that as the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, we would turn instead to the one who came to give life and give it to the full, give it to the abundance. And so I pray for those fruits in abundance in our lives. And it's in Jesus' holy name that I pray. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's podcast. We'd love to connect with you and hear from you on how this week's podcast impacted you. You can always connect with us through our app, Beach Church Jacks, which is found on the iTunes store or the Google Play store. And you can always go to our website, beachchurchjacks.com. Have a great day.